Let's pray. Oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, I pray that you would just be exalted right now, that the light of the world would shine deeply into our hearts and shine into the darkness. I know that there are some probably just fighting off darkness today, God, those here and online, and I pray that they would find hope. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. You may be seated if you haven't already. Glad to have you here today. And what Pastor Aaron failed to mention is our own staff love pickleball too, to the point that they play every lunch hour and they're, uh, they're ready to take on the community. I don't know. If we have to raise more money, maybe that's how we'll do it. I'm not sure yet, but uh, no, we want to encourage you to continue to give out of hearts full of love for our Lord and Savior. Well, I was um, encountering this story from medical doctor Keith Gregoire, and he um, was tell, telling in this, this book, he talks about how raccoons, have you ever seen this, raccoons, what they do with cotton candy? Well, if you know anything about raccoons, what do raccoons love to do with their food? They wash it. And so they take the cotton candy, and they put it in the water, and then all of a sudden they can't find the cotton candy because cotton candy, of course, dissolves in water. Now, those online would probably Google this right now, and you'd find all these videos about this. And if you do that, make sure you come back to us. And the rest of you who are wanting to see this video, check it out afterwards. But I thought about this, and maybe that's how some of us feel today. You thought you had a sweet deal. Somebody gave you something very sweet, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's gone. It disappears. Anybody feel like maybe they've had a dream for their for their career, or for their, their family, or for retirement, and it's gone. Anybody have that experience? Well, I wonder if that's how Mary, the mother of Jesus, felt. She was most likely a teenager, and as was the custom, she was betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter from, from Nazareth, a small town in Israel in the first century A.D., and to be betrothed went beyond just being engaged. In our culture nowadays, engagements, you can, well, fairly easily break off. But not in that day. Betrothal meant that this was this commitment that was, was really um, housed around two families arranging this marriage between a man and a woman. And the betrothal period was like being married without living together and having sex for at least a year in order to guard the couple's purity and to ensure and protect the Jewish lineage of their children because they were to inherit uh, part of the estate in the promised land. The betrothal period also allowed the husband to go away and for that first year and prepare a rooms in a house as part of his father's estate for the newlyweds to reside. In the words of Alistair Begg, the couple committed to, to each other without the marriage feast and without enjoying the marriage bed. And a betrothal could only be broken by divorce, which is why Joseph considered divorcing Mary even though their marriage had not been consummated. The scripture does not describe Mary's growing up years. Doesn't tell anything about her until we read this one encounter in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. But you can imagine 
um, how, how Mary must have been feeling, even though the Bible doesn't give us all of her feelings, but just think about how most of us, as we headed into marriage, if you are married, you think about this excitement, but also a little bit of fear of the unknown. And, and Mary, of course, was young, and she was probably dreaming of her upcoming we- wedding. And then this angel, a messenger for God, from God, that's what an angel really is, a messenger from God. This angel shows up. And let's read about Mary, the mother of Jesus, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And we're going to find out that she found hope despite being her dreams being disturbed. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Those online can also see this up on the screen. Starting in Luke chapter 1, the gospel of Luke, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now that sixth month was the sixth month of Elizabeth's um, pregnancy. That's Mary's cousin. Verse 27 says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said, answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May it be to us according to his word. You may be seated. Pastor Aaron already described, we are joining uh, many churches uh, around the world today and down through the centuries of formally observing the Advent season. This is the first time ever have gone through the Advent season in a formal way, and this means for the next four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day, we're going to be covering the themes of hope and love and joy and peace. Hope Love, joy, and peace. Anybody need any of those this Christmas? Well, I hope that God will, will allow you to experience them. Lord willing, we're going to focus on a theme each week, and we're going to light a candle as we, we did today to commemorate this event. Technically, i got to tell you, Advent started last week, but we needed to finish up Micah first, so that's why we're, we're, going, to, um, we're going to move it a little bit ahead and catch up. Today's theme is all about hope. Anybody need hope today? Just a few? Okay, the rest of you guys can leave. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe you'll need it someday. Lori and I have gone through a season when we're, where we lost hope. We dare not have our expectations 
very high because then we, we knew that something would come along and there'd be a disappointment and that creates kind of a low-grade depression, doesn't it? Maybe you feel that way. But I want to remind us today that the righteous do not live by their feelings but by their what? Their faith. Their faith. And this is why today I want to declare that hope comes in the Lord. In fact, hope comes in the Lord's favor. Did you catch that in verses 28 through 30? Circumstances may change, but the Lord doesn't change. One of the great hopes is found in Hebrews 13:8, which declares that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Forever. Hope comes in the Lord's favor. Hope comes because God gives grace. That's what favor means. And this is what we discover in verses 28 and 30 of Luke chapter 1. It reads, And he came to her, that angel, and said, Gabriel, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Hope comes in the Lord's favor. Maybe you've heard the term, Hail Mary, full of grace. You heard that phrase? Before it was ever a latch-dis effort and and a heave up and throw it into the end zone, it was actually a prayer that our Catholic friends have developed. And they prayed, Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail really means greetings from the King James Version. But let's focus on Mary for a second. Full of grace. The favored one. Why was Mary full of grace? Why was Mary full of grace? Have you thought about that? Here's why. You can find it in verse 28. Do you see it at the end of verse 28? Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was full of grace because the Lord was with her. The Lord was with her. By its very nature, grace is never earned. So we should not think of me or or any of us as deserving of the Lord's favor. In fact, later on, if you jump down to verse 47 of chapter 1 in Luke chapter 1, Mary acknowledged that she needs God to be her Savior. Look at verse 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary was a great woman, but she wasn't perfect. She was a sinner, still in need of a Savior, for God to save her. And I want to declare today to those online and those here listening that you, each one of you and myself, we are in need of a Savior. We need God's grace. Hope comes in the Lord's favor, in the Lord's grace. So have you embraced the offer of God's grace today? Have you done that? He's offering grace to you. It's needed whether you are fresh or or, are very familiar with the faith. You need grace to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And you need grace to get through each and every day His ever-sufficient grace. So hope comes in the Lord's favor and his grace. But hope comes in the Lord's favor despite being disturbed. Notice what Mary's response was in verse 29. 
She's greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what the sort of greeting this might be. I actually, as I thought about this and I studied, I was like, that's kind of peculiar, isn't it? Like, here is Mary encountering this angel, and she's greatly troubled. Now, if this was the angel of death and said, listen, Mary, put your affairs in order for tonight you die, then that would be something that would cause you to be pretty troubled, right? But here's Mary who was troubled when she says, when she's called, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And here she is troubled by this. And so I wondered why, and maybe you wonder, why would she be troubled? Well, I think only the humble will understand this. Those who are walking humbly with God, as we've seen about and talked about these last few weeks from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, right? We're supposed to do justice, to, to love faithfully, and to walk humbly with our God. And so Mary didn't sense that she was favored. I don't think it was because she was this lowly teenage girl from a backwater town in, in Galilee. Because here's what I've discovered in traveling the world, and maybe you have too. Pride exists everywhere, doesn't it? Like, if you are from a, a, a big town or from a small town, you can be very proud. You can be proud if you're very young or, well, older, more seasoned, we'll put it that way. You can be proud. Mary, though, in contrast, I think was very humble because she knew she needed a Savior, as we just read. Mary hadn't earned favor with God. She just found it. That's what the angel says. She found favor with God. It was given. It was actually one of the first gifts on the first Christmas. It's good to remember that we may feel disturbed in life, but actually we might be experiencing God's favor. Mary's plans are being interrupted, and that may be a gift in itself, even if it doesn't feel like it. So today, for all of you who have been disturbed, maybe you got some very disturbing news lately. What if this is an act of grace towards you? What if God is showing his favor to you by disturbing you? That's what's happening to Mary. This leads me to the second hope. The hope that we can find in the Lord's plan. See, God has a better plan for us than we do for ourselves. The first hope comes in the Lord's favor. The second hope comes in the Lord's plan. Mary had a plan to be married. And, and I could say with certainty not to be pregnant. When she woke up that day, she was like, I don't expect to be pregnant. And I certainly don't expect a few months later, nine months later, to be finding myself in Bethlehem with no vacancy. And, and all these instances of happening around me and my family not being be able to be able to be there on the first Christmas day. She didn't expect any of this. This was not her plan, but it was God's. And this is why we need to embrace the fact that hope comes in the Lord's plan. Hope comes in the Lord's plan. This may be a corrective for some of us because we often think hope comes in our own plans, doesn't it? I've certainly been guilty of that. We strategize, we dream, we, we work the dream. 
But better hope comes in the Lord's plan. Look at what the angel says in verses 32 and 33. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Listen up. As the son of David, Jesus was fully human. Fully human. And as son of the Most High, he was fully God. Jesus was and is the God-man. And because he's the God-man, he has a plan that came from heaven but can be fulfilled on earth. The Lord's plan for Mary and her son Jesus to be great and reign on King David's throne forever. Let me give you a little bit of background to that. We have to go all the way back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll be discovering a little bit more about this in our Discover Jesus class next Sunday morning. But here's the prophecy that first mentioned to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, meaning you've died, I will raise up your offering after you, who shall, or offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, and he will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So fast forward nearly a thousand years, and here this prophecy is being fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. It also fulfilled the promise we learned about um, the discovered, in our Discover Jesus class this morning. And, and notice how it says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Well, this is also another prophecy that Jesus fulfills. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. This is a prophecy to one of Jacob or Israel's um, sons named Judah. And it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And so Jesus is fulfilling all of these promises, these plans. But I doubt that Mary, when waking up that day, said, oh, wow, you know, I think I'm going to fulfill some, some thousand-year-old plan that you had, God. Or... Or this plan you had for King David. Just trying to get breakfast together. Friends, one of the ways to lose hope is to hope in your plan and not in the Lord. Today recall this from Isaiah 40, verse 30. One, but those who hope in the Lord will what? Renew their strength. Renew their strength. Maybe life has beaten up on you this week or this month, or this decade. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So do you feel weak? Hope comes in the Lord and his plan and purpose for your life. But let's remember that hope comes in the Lord's plan despite it being delayed. Go back to verses 32 and 33. Did the Lord's plan and promise happen right away? Was Jesus born in a palace? Did Jesus ever sit in a throne on this earth? No. Jesus actually had to go through being crucified on a cruel cross and rising from the grave and be ascended into heaven until he finally experienced sitting on the throne forever and ever. 
Hebrews 12, 2 declares this truth. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's remember that hope is future-oriented and, and future-fulfilled. This might sound overly simplistic, but sometimes these are just important reminders. You don't need hope if every time you pray to God, you get what you want right away, right? You don't need hope at all. There's no such thing as hope. Hope is always about the future, about delayed gratification. And hope must persevere through suffering. Jesus didn't get the throne before he got the thorns on his head. Jesus didn't get the crown before he had to go through the cross. And we forget this. If this was the case for our master and king, why would we, should we expect less? My friend Ross Gilbert told me this week, to truly appreciate the man of sorrows means we must experience sorrows ourselves. Part of our sorrows, hoping in the Lord's plan despite it being delayed and not fully realized. I think of my father. My father uh, went to study at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. He wanted to train to be uh, a missionary to India. And he had his hopes and dreams on being a missionary to India. And he passed through his course, and he applied. And here was the thing is, my, my, my father was very well connected. See, my grandfather was the director of missions for his denomination. My, my father had the credentials, the training, the connections, and especially you young people, just think about this. And then it comes to the application process, and the mission agency said, Guess what? India is closing down opportunities to, to go as Westerners into India. So why don't you go and just become a pastor and wait? And why don't you, you know, when the door opens again, then you can go to India. That's the only thing that's holding you back. Well, after finishing at Moody, he went on a cross-country tour preaching and um, went from starting New Brunswick and arrived in Montreal. And he preached one Sunday at a church in Montreal. And he met this beautiful woman. And he asked her out. And then the next day, he asked her out for another date. And at the end of that date, he says, will you marry me? And six months later, he married my mom. Nine months later, I came along. Nine, not, no, sorry, not nine months. That would be a scandalous, sorry. Nine years, whoa. Strike that, everybody. Nine years later. I'm going to get myself out of trouble. Fast forward, okay? My father becomes your interim pastor at Temple in 2011 for eight months until he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. The next year, you called me to be your lead pastor, and I'm just telling you all that because most likely none of that happens if my dad gets the acceptance to go to India and become a missionary there. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, great verse to memorize, declares this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mary experienced that. My dad experienced that. Have you experienced that? Where you thought you had a plan, you were going this way, and all of a sudden God's like, nope, we're coming over here. This is helpful to remember. To hope in the Lord and his plan requires us to adjust, but also to not protect him. What do I mean? How many of you said after hearing about a tragedy or a difficulty in life, well, the Lord, the Lord must have just allowed that. The problem is, is the Lord didn't just allow it. He purposed it. He's not the cause of evil, but he doesn't always stop it either, especially when it serves a grander purpose that he has for us and for his kingdom. God doesn't need our protecting or allowance. God's big enough to purpose our suffering, to redeem it, like he did with Mary. Mary went through suffering because of this angel showing up. Let me remind you of our goals this year at Temple. We want people to know that God is everything, even when we have nothing, and thus we can hope and persevere through anything. As we strategize as a leadership team, this is what our big prayer was for you and for us. And this is why we've tried to gain a theology of suffering and perseverance as we studied Job and Jude. It's why we tried to find hope in disturbing times through our study of Micah. Either God is sovereign or he is not. And his sovereignty undergirds hope. It's the foundation of hope because he is in control. And that's, that hope will come in his plan and it will be realized despite its apparent delays. So don't give up hope today. Remember, God's plan is never delayed from his perspective, just ours. God's plan happens right at the exact time that he purposes it. Not a second earlier, not a second later. This is what the Apostle Paul declared in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, which says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. The fullness of time to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is why we must keep hoping in the Lord. His plan is good for us. It brings about our redemption. He is the son of the most high. He's high enough to see the big picture, and yet he came to earth and in a sense photobombed our lives to be Emmanuel, to be with us at all times, rescuing us in our time of need. Hope comes in the Lord's favor, and hope comes in the Lord's plan, but hope comes also in the Lord's power as well. This is the third hope. Hope comes in the Lord's power. We can see this in verses 34 and 37. Hope comes in the Lord's power. It's helpful when we're disturbed by the Lord's favor and delayed in seeing God's plan. We need to turn to the Lord for him to be our power, to be our strength that sustains us. Look what it says in verse 34. Mary asks a really legitimate question. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Luke, the author of this gospel, had already emphasizes Mary's virginity. Go back to verses, verse 27. Notice what Luke says. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. If we jump down to verse 34, we find that in in 
in this passage, in this short passage, three times the word virgin is used. And as I've taught to you on many occasions, that whenever, whenever a word is repeated three or more times, God is trying to get our attention. And so there's this emphasis on Mary's virginity. Let's take a deeper understanding of the significance of the fact that Mary was a virgin. Theologian Millard Erickson helps us understand some important terms. First, we need to talk about the virgin conception. By this, we mean that Jesus' conception in the womb of Mary was, a womb of Mary was not the result of a sexual relationship. Mary was a virgin at the time of conception and continued so up until the point of birth. For the, in, for the scriptures teach that Mary and Joseph had no relations until after the birth of Jesus. And so Mary became pregnant through a supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon her. This does not mean that this resulted as copulation between the divine and Mary as the Mormons, also known as the Church of Latter-day Saints, teach. God did not have sex with Mary. The virgin birth also does not mean that this was this was not a normal birth. Some Catholic theologians interpret the virgin birth as meaning that Jesus was not born in normal fashion. In their view, Jesus simply passed through the wall of Mary's uterus instead of being delivered through the normal birth canal. However, a normal birth does not negate the virgin birth. And so to be orthodox, to be in line with the scripture, we must believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. The virgin birth is tied to his deity. That's why he was called the son of the most high. It's why when we baptize adults, and they can understand this, and, and I just got to tell you, in a couple weeks, we, we're having a baptismal service. We're real excited about it. And if you haven't been baptized, we encourage you to do so. But when I, um, when I ask people about their beliefs, one of the things I ask is, do you believe that Jesus came to earth and was born of a virgin? The reason why I ask that is because it's so tied to him being fully God. Luke 1.35, this is where we source this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Jesus is fully God. Amen? So hope comes in the Lord's power. Hope comes in the Lord's power, though, despite being impossibly difficult. To emphasize the difficulty, Mary's cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant, despite her old age and long barrenness. Verse 37 describes the predicament. I love this. This is something to, to just highlight in your Bibles. Go back to this week. Just keep coming back to verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. If you have this very difficult situation in your life, let's remember that for nothing is impossible with God. It such brings us such hope. It's a great verse to memorize, even better to believe. Mary believed it. Look at verse 38. Look at her response. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. This is exactly the right attitude we need to have. We are to be the servants of the Lord and serve at his pleasure. And this doesn't mean it will be easy. Instead, it's difficult. Serving the Lord is difficult. Impossibly difficult in our own strength, which is why we need the Lord's power. I got to tell you, I've been thinking about 
Mary and her pregnancy in a whole new way. Maybe it's because I'm expecting a grandbaby soon. Mary would have been shamed by others. It was a big no-no to get pregnant during the betrothal period. In those days, they actually kept the bride and groom separate for over a year so they wouldn't get pregnant. And yet, even with the Jews understanding the, the power of sexual attraction, both Mary and Joseph would have experienced shame in the community as soon as it was, as soon as it was discovered that Mary was pregnant. We know this from another Christmas birth narrative in Matthew 119 that says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And then another angel showed up and said, No, Mary, Mary. See, Mary could have easily been stoned for what was thought to be adultery if Joseph wouldn't have protected her and taken her shame upon himself. And yet both Mary and Joseph accepted their assignments from the Lord. They saw themselves as servants of the Lord. Dr. Paul Stevens, professor emeritus of marketplace theology and leadership at Regent College in Vancouver, tells a story. He was teaching at a seminary in Kenya, in Africa, and met a very bright student by the name of Esther. And Esther was a top student. And Esther uh, graduated, and, and Dr. Stevens went back to Canada, and he came back to Africa and had learned that Esther couldn't find a job in any church. And now, so now she was working at uh, a boarding school. It's hard work, low pay, worked seven days a week. And Professor Stevens knew that Esther was struggling. And so he went and asked her, well, how are you doing? How do you like the job? And Esther said these words, I like it in Jesus. I like it in Jesus. I wonder if that's the attitude that was found in Mary. She liked it in Jesus when Jesus ended up being inside of her and then giving birth. My friends, maybe you have been disturbed or delayed or found yourself in a difficult situation. I want to declare to you, hope comes in the Lord. Hope comes in the Lord. Do you remember when I told you that my dad was never a missionary to India, or at least he wanted to be a missionary to India? Fast forward decades later, he was invited by Partners International to go on a preaching tour to guess where? India. And so my dad was technically a missionary to India, even for just a few weeks. The action point this week is that hope in the Lord, we should hope in the Lord when disturbed and delayed and in difficulty. I promise you today that unlike that cotton candy that that raccoon tried to hold on to, the clean hands of a raccoon, Jesus will not disappear when you need him most. You can hold on to him. You can embrace, on, embrace him. And he will never go away. Like his earthly father, Jesus will take the shame you are experiencing and he will give you hope. So come all ye unfaithful. 
Jesus is offering us all both healing and hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we need the hope that's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And today, as we focus on this hope, I pray that those who are on the verge of losing their hope would regain it. They'd be reminded that Emmanuel has come, that God is with us through the God-man, Jesus Christ. Lord, some of us today maybe feel really disrupted. Others of us feel delayed, maybe going through difficult times. Would you, God, minister deep into our souls? And most of all, God, if there are those both listening online and those here today who have never trusted in Christ, Lord, I pray today that they would find hope in Jesus. We pray in his name. God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.